So instead of like harming themselves, they can actually take the measures that they need in order to demand that something actually changes or to create change themselves. We can definitely take suit and follow um, along with what's happening in Haiti and how things change and use that to enact change in our own communities. You're listening to We're All All Right, the show that explores all the reasons we have to be hopeful, even joyful, about humanity and about our world today, despite what we see in the headlines. I'm your host, Phyllis Wilson. I have such a treat for you this week. I've invited one of my longtime personal clients and one of my very favorite people, Samoa Blanchett, to speak with me and with you about something very close to her heart, and that is her home country of Haiti. If you live in the U.S. and pay even a little attention to the news, you'll know that Haiti and its people have been in it, the news, that is, a lot in recent months, and unfortunately, None of it has been good. For my international listeners, I wonder how much you hear or know about Haiti. Let me know. So I thought, as a follow-up to last week's episode about immigration, migration, and national identity, what would be more perfect than a discussion about perceptions, how they're formed, how they endure, and how we might go about changing them? I don't want to give too much away before you listen, And besides, Samoa is the real star here, but suffice it to say that we dove deep. And speaking for myself, I came out of this conversation with a much, much richer understanding of the concept of freedom than I've ever had before. So without further ado, here's my interview with Samoa Blanchett. So... Haiti has been in the news, it seems like every other day at this point, for months. But in fact, it's been, to me, it seems years, really since I think the 2010 earthquake. And then this last summer, and since this last summer, in July, the assassination of the president, then there was another earthquake in August, I believe. And then there was that horrible crisis on the border. Um, The Haitian migrants just beaten, traumatized by um, border control agents. Yeah, so it seems like crisis after crisis. And part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because you have this not only are you Haitian? But you also have this incredible uh, perspective on Haiti, the Haitian people, and and almost like why Haiti is in the news now, kind of more than ever. So I think I wanted to start with what we see of Haiti from the American perspective is um, it looks dire there. So is that reality? Like, is that the reality of what's happening there? And what's your Haiti look like? I know my Haiti, the Haiti I grew up in when I was when I was a kid, and then the Haiti I would go 
when I, whenever I would go on vacation, I know that Haiti. And every time I, the plane is about to land, you see all the mountains and it's always beautiful there. I can't remember a rainy day in Haiti, <laughs> um, but you just see all the mountains just spread out underneath you. And I always get this feeling of just awe and excitement when the plane is about to land. Like I can't wait to, to land, to be there. There's, there's this energy in the vicinity. I believe that there's a lot of strength and magic in Haiti and um, you can feel it. If you really tune into it, you can really feel it. So that's the Haiti that I know and that I love. And I don't want to um, minimize, you know, what is going on because a lot of people are being harmed and it's, it's very harmful and it's hurtful to the people and the lands and everyone there. So I'm not saying that, oh, that's not happening or that doesn't exist. And the that is the beauty that I see in Haiti. There is, I, I just want to address the, the beauty that there is there because a lot of people, when they do think about Haiti, they think of like, even when you see um, when people in the news and they talk about Haiti, they always say, Haiti, the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. It's always that. And then they say whatever happened, you know, it's usually in the headline or in the first sentence I've noticed. And so that's how people see it. They see this as, it as a really poor nation when I see Haiti, I see so much wealth. And that is what I see. Wow. So the reality, like, mm, <laughs> reality is a funny word. So I'll go with like facts. Um, so the, the facts of, of the, the country, um, I think what you're, what you're saying is that the, the, on kind of the surface level, the facts are that, yeah, it is the poorest country in the, what is it, the Western Hemisphere? Okay. And people live in poverty? Is that true? And how does that compare with the poverty that we see here in the United States? I think the biggest difference between here in the U.S., for example, and in Haiti is the infrastructure. So because of Haiti's lack of infrastructure, more specifically in Port-au-Prince, everything looks dire and people do end up living in squalor because of it. Like the streets are, when you land in Port-au-Prince, the streets are really messed up. The houses are piled on top of the other. Everyone builds their own house. So nothing's really up to code or anything like that. Um, so because of that, it looks very dirty. And it also depends on where you go because there are also places in Port-au-Prince. I remember I was visiting my uncle and I got, I, I went to the neighborhood and I thought I was in the U S because mm. the roads were really nice. The houses were built up to the U S standard and it was um, American architecture. All the houses um, presented American architecture, because I think that's another thing to take into account how we even view poverty because mm -hmm. we're viewing poverty, even like, as you said, in comparison to um, American quote unquote standards. But that also we look at um, countries with like white countries where the majority of the population is white, who have white based architecture that's looked at as wealth and whatnot. But any kind of architecture that's, that comes from people of color or black people is usually looked at as poor. 
So there's also that perspective that even colors my perspective. That's like, oh, you know, when you see Haiti, you see the houses, you see everything. Some houses, yes, it's definitely people are living living in poverty. They don't have access to basic things like water or electricity or AC in a country that's so hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> some people do go days without um, having food. I never met anyone and I lived there for the first eight years of my life. I've never met anyone like that, but I know that there are people like that. But then it's also the same thing here. I've never met anyone (laughs) who experiences the poverty we talk about. However, I know that that exists. I just think the difference is that America has a lot more opportunities to grow out of that, to get out of that space than there are in Haiti. And that's because of the lack of structure um, both socially and infrastructure-wise. Yeah, I think it's such an important, it's many important points in what you just said. But one of them being that you lived in Haiti and you've been you've been back since, mm-hmm. um, but you lived in Haiti as a child and, you know, you didn't encounter people in your day-to-day life that had the, the particular struggles that we, again, we, I'm counting myself like as part of, you know, we in America see depicted in the in the news, like as Haiti, as you said, the the line, you know, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. And you didn't it wasn't like you saw, you know, that's all you saw around you every day. So even that small point, like there's something in there and you've actually talked about this this idea that what we again we in the states are seeing depicted in the news is it's like branding it's like propaganda there are the facts of it right like as we said there are the facts of of you know Haiti being the poorest nation i'd love to hear your kind of take on this idea that a lot of this is branding, a lot of this is kind of propaganda. Why is that? That's a really good question as to why, my take on why. Um, I think that, as I said, there's a lot of power in Haiti. Lots of resources that even the people there don't even know what to do with. I remember growing up, the things my mom would say, um, my mom lived in a place Called, it's a city called Okap. And Okap has many, many mountains. I mean, the entire country is mountains, but there are a lot less people living there. So it's not like Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince would be like the New York of Haiti, you know? And New York is very dirty and disgusting. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. so it would be like the largest city there. And then, so my mother, she grew up on my grandfather's farm. And she says she remembered as a kid seeing trucks carrying just transporting American trucks, transporting gems and all sorts of things that looked really shiny and pretty and valuable, you know, from the mountains that they were digging into. So they knew what they were looking for and they knew what where to get it and they had the resources to get it. So I think seeing portraying Haiti is that it keeps it it's something that's happened since the beginning of colonialism. It's portraying people in a certain way so that they stay down. Because if everyone in Haiti sees themselves as, you know, 
poverty stricken and, you know, there's just no way out and it's just struggle and, and squalor and all of that. Like, that's just what it is. And that is just who we are. Like, it, it becomes their identity. And then people in outside of Haiti see Haiti as that, which reinforces that perspective and which is even more harmful. If that is the case, then Haiti has more opportunities that it is a lot more open and vulnerable to exploitation by the people who know better, but also know that they can use this. So it sounds like a fact is that Haiti has relied on the U.S. And there's another side of that, which is that the U.S. has enjoyed, to put it mildly, being relied upon by Haiti. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, when you look at even what's happening now, I saw in the news what happened with the president's assassination and, and why he was assassinated, why the assassins were even there. And they were looking for something, because I remember the first lady saying that, that they came in and they were looking for something. And so they figured out what it was, and it was a list of the people who are currently exploiting Haiti. <laughs> that yes. He was trying to, he was making this, compiling this list, again, to bring to the U.S. in order for the U.S. to fix it. And even before Haiti became the Republic of Haiti, even before when um, the Taino Indians occupied it, Haiti was full of wealth and resources. And Haiti has a history of being the island of Hispaniola. It has a history of being exploited by these people. And so um, you're 100% right. They continue to enjoy that because when people even say that, oh, Haiti is the poorest country, I wonder if people ever ask why. How could the first Black nation to ever exist be the poorest country? Why is that? Does anyone ever even question that? Because Haiti got its independence in the 1800s. So why, 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 why are we so behind? What's keeping us so stuck? I wonder if people are, are even asked that because when you really think about it, we shouldn't be. Other nations are developing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, I have heard from you and um, and read from you is that, uh, and I'd love for you to, to explain this, the, the difference between the, the emancipation of slaves in the U.S. and the Haitian Revolution and the fact that what you've said is that Haiti actually eradicated slavery where the U.S. didn't really. So slavery in the U.S. Is, has just taken a different form with the prison system. But also, if you think about it, it's not just for Black people. Black people are experiencing the brunt of it. But the way that the U.S. was built was never built off of the concept of freedom. And it's funny because I was actually talking to my friend who goes to Colombia, who is learning about the richness of the U.S. history. And she was talking about how she has a it's very problematic for her to be in these classes because they're talking about the founding fathers and how they're all about liberty and freedom. And yet they were slave owners. 
and we're learning about freedom from people who were experts at taking away people's freedom. And we're lauding them for it and saying, oh, yeah, they, they're like total experts on freedom. But when you really think about the way the even the way America is set up today, how, you know, marginalized people aren't um, free at all, but also how people in general aren't. Most of us, we work 40 hours a week and then the rest of us, we, we sleep another 40 hours, hopefully. <laughs> we hopefully get to sleep another um, eight hours a day. We don't actually have much time or space to even think or form our own thoughts or focus on the things that we want because we don't have the time and we don't have the energy to focus on the things that we love and care about. Most of the times we don't have any choices. And then for a lot of us, the majority of us, even when we're slaving away for somebody else, even when you're doing that, you don't make enough money to actually even enjoy it. You're literally paying to live. We pay money to the people who pay us <laughs> so that we can exist, so that we can have our own ha a house or we can have food and enjoy two weeks of vacation a year. When the reason that we're so depressed and so anxious is because we weren't, humans weren't built, made to live like this we weren't built to live like this but you really it's really really hard you know yeah there are people who find a way out of that they start businesses and things like that but it's really hard even then to actually create that because the system wasn't actually built for freedom the way that the constitution says it was and that's for everybody not just not just marginalized people um but everybody and the contrast here is the people who, like in the Haitian Revolution, they wanted freedom and they were free before all of this. So instead of trying to study how to take freedom away from people, instead they became experts at freedom and understanding what that actually meant. So when they started out building their own system, they were looking to build a system that allowed people to truly be free, you know? And you can even see it today when you look at Haiti. In Haiti, when you buy a house or you build a house, the house is yours. The bank isn't going to take it away. It's yours. Mm -hmm. That's it. Everything you own is yours. Nobody can take it away from you unless they steal it. <laughs> Other than that, it's yours. Um Time-wise, yes, people work and they, but mo it's funny because most people in Haiti, from what I've seen, I can't speak for the entire population, but from what I've seen, most of the people are tradespeople or they have their own little commerces or little business things that they do to, in order to live. And so, and that's just like for them to function and do things, you know, just buy clothes and things like that. But other people, for example, where my mother grew up, they grow their own food. My my grandfather had a huge stretch of land where he grew all of his food. Um, and then he had his own house, so he didn't have to pay that off, right? So there's not as much need for him to make any extra money. And if he did, if he wanted to, because as I said, we in America, the thing that we do have is more resources. So if he wanted to, he could make more money and he could, for example, travel if he wanted to or whatever. But his time was his. He worked when he wanted. 
Um, and he was a workaholic, so he worked a lot, but he didn't have to. It got to the point where my mom told me they're getting to a point all his kids would grow and he really didn't have to work anymore. But he just really enjoyed it. So he even started working for free. Imagine having the freedom to work for free because it's just something that you enjoy. Like you don't even require a money exchange because you just enjoy doing the thing that you do. I can't think of one person who can, can who can say that they can just spend the last 20, 30 years of their lives working for free just because they want to. <laughs> because of the system that that we live in. So that's a, that's the contrast I feel. I feel in Haiti most people own their time and in terms of the resources that people have if they have it it's theirs there's no nobody else nobody no bank there's no stress about somebody coming to take their car away or their their house or whatever so then there's a lot more freedom to kind of just be and do whatever it is you actually want to do um because you're not even working you don't 40 hours it's not even really a thing hey there friend really quickly while i have you here Did you know that when I'm not waxing philosophical about finding joy and connection in our chaotic world, I'm coaching other coaches and trainers and consultants too, to move way beyond their self-imposed limitations so they can play a much, much bigger game in the world with much, much bigger players, all while reclaiming more time to enjoy this amazing life and pursue everything they're passionate about It's true. That's what I do. I work with clients both privately in a one-on-one setting and in an intimate group program called the Mentors Mastermind. If this sounds like something you've been looking for, I would love to speak with you. Head on over to my website at phyllis.wilson.pw and click on Talk to Phyllis. You know, one of the things that you, the words that you've used this whole conversation is resources. And it, it occurs to me that there is this, um, there's a connection between resources and freedom and creativity. And I know that that's one of the things that you and I have talked about many times is this your sense that the Haitian people are not only uh, some of the most free people, despite the perception that we are, that we have slash are given. I think that freedom is our true nature. All of us as human beings, no matter what country you're from. I have this perspective that the real issue is colonialism. Colonialism is a disease and it hurts everybody. It's not just black people. It's not just, you know, um, marginalized people or marginalized countries. It's all people. At first I was only coming from the perspective of a black woman who's also a Haitian immigrant, like that it was the perspective I was coming from. But as I expand, you know, who I connect with and where they come from, even white people in European countries, before the Industrial Revolution, people would work maybe two or three hours at the most a day. So people had a lot of free time to do to focus on other endeavors. And a lot of times, even the things that they did, the trades that they learned were things they wanted to learn. But then with capitalism, 
(laughs) that had to change. So in my opinion, I think the issue isn't necessarily a Haitian versus, you know, another country thing or a black versus white thing even. I think it's a colonialism thing. I feel like America is the face of colonialism. I've noticed a lot of like white Americans don't feel like they have a culture because Mm. they were robbed of it because that's what colonialism does. That's what white supremacy does. That's what colonialism does. It robs you of any culture. It's not even a white thing. It's just culture. And to me, culture is what makes us human. And that includes freedom because culture is really an expression of your freedom. When you think about culture, you Mm. think music, art, dancing, food, cooking, all those things. That's all culture. But with the way colonialism works, it's about spreading this one perspective on and pushing it on everybody. And there's no room for any other perspective or experience. And so it robs people of that freedom of expression. And when it robs them of that, there's no freedom left for anybody. Everybody has to conform and do the same. And when you do conform, you lose that part of yourself. And so the more we conform to it, and we're, we're all being forced to one way or another, <laughs> again, mm-hmm. with the way the system works, but we're also, we're all, all giving away a piece of our freedom in order to exist and survive in the system. So that is my perspective. I don't think it's a um, Haitian or versus another nation thing. What I can say is that Haiti was the first to revolt against this colonialism to to actively revolt against it and i think that that holds a lot of weight you know i'm thinking um i i'm i guess what i'm about to say is a little like devil's advocate kind of thing but then again <laughs> when you were talking about culture and like and colonialism robbing people of their culture what sprang to mind is here in the US in the you know there there's like the deep south for example, like regions have culture. There is, there is dance, there is, you know, food, there is those kinds of traditions, but there's this other side of it, which is like, they're so regionalized and like not spread across. They haven't become a quote American culture, like as a whole. That's exactly what I was going to say, because when you think about the deep South having culture, you also can take into account that a lot of the deep south is rural. So if you live in Washington, Washington, D.C., or Miami, well, no, Miami is its own country, so never mind. We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Well, there we go. But that's an example too, right? (laughs) Miami isn't a white, like primarily white city. So because of that, there, there is culture, but the culture isn't American. You wouldn't go to Miami and say, oh yeah, this is a, this is a representation of American culture. It's a representation of all these other cultures coming together. So when you think about the cities, like cities or that aren't, or places that aren't as rural, there isn't as much culture. And to your point, there isn't this like, oh, like I'm from America and that's like, this is what our culture is. We have a lot of other things that people talk about us. (laughs) but nobody talks about you know this is what our culture is so yeah I do agree with you it's not something that's widespread it's not something that's actually been created and it may also be because of how young the U.S. is that could be a factor but then again um 
Haiti's pretty young as a country and it has its own, it has a very deeply rich culture. When you're Haitian, you're Haitian. <laughs> there's a culture, there's, there's definitely a Haitian culture. So I do think it's because we have more places in America that have integrated into colonialism and adapted into it. To me, it's like a virus. <laughs> and so it just kills that part of us that, I don't think it kills it. I think it's still there, but it um, it hides it. So one of the things that you've said is speaking of revolution and virus, in <laughs> fact, the last few years um, in the U.S. and I'm going back before the pandemic, you know, we've seen the rise in I'm not going to say a rise in white supremacy, a rise in the visibility of white supremacy. And one of the things that you have said is that Haiti will be or is uh, a blueprint for the kind of revolution that maybe, yeah, the U.S. and other countries are are ready for and maybe is already happening. So you've spoken about this a little bit, but like, what does that look like? To me, in order for drastic change to happen, you have to take drastic measures and a revolution is that you have to completely obliterate the system, which is what they did. There is no space or room for enslavement. We do not accept that. That is, There's no space for that. And that is what they did. And what I'm seeing today is there are, I do agree with you, there are pockets of revolution happening in the States. I think, for example, even with our generation, my generation, um, I'm Gen Z, sort of. Um, and <laughs> with my generation, we, I've noticed that people from my generation will literally quit any jobs. They will quit. And I'm noticing that with a lot of my friends, they're just quitting jobs because they're not fulfilled or they're not, they don't feel respected or anything, which is what's happening with the whole job shortage thing. So a lot of the workforce is like, nope we're not dealing with these working conditions. We're people and we want to be treated as people. We're not just some numbers who have to fill quotas. We're not robots, we're people. And so people are requiring a different system. And now employers have need to listen if they want to have employees so that their businesses can run. And I think it was also the same thing that happened in the revolution, Haitian revolution, is that the people who are being oppressed are starting to realize just how much power they actually have. And once they realize that it was over, it, 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 that's really how it starts because then people can mobilize and either make individual choices for themselves or come together and drastically change the system. Either way, things are changing. And I think the reason I made that statement is because as you said, when we started this podcast, Haiti's been in the news a lot this year. And I think the reason that it can be used as a blueprint is because we're we're seeing the exact same thing happening. You mentioned white supremacy and colonialism coming to the forefront of things in America. In order to eradicate something, it can't be hidden. You have to see it. You have to know what the problem is in order to uproot it and get rid of it and that's what's been happening here and in Haiti what's happening is okay so there was the assassination and now all of this information is coming to light about what the president was actually doing and like what's actually happening why Haiti is even in the state that it's in because 
up until that point, I think most people, they were just like, wow, everything sucks, but we don't know why, like what is going on? And people didn't really understand the the full extent of the corruption that was going on and what needed to actually happen. Whereas now they know, like now it's just like, what are, what are people going to do? And my perspective is that what's going to happen is the people are going to get fed up and they will revolt because now they're starting to know who to revolt against, what they're revolting against. So instead of like harming themselves, they can actually take the measures that they need to, in order to demand that something actually changes or to create change themselves by taking matters into their own hands. So I think that's what needs to happen overall across the board for every every space where people are being exploited um, and they don't truly have any freedom. So in the workspace, in all communities, especially with people, how people of color are, what people of color are experiencing, women, you know, just <laughs> everything, disabled people, just every single marginalized person can actually start demanding change. And they can, they, you can see how, how Haiti did it the first time. It's in a, in a way, a case of history repeating itself. And we can definitely take suit and follow um, along with what's happening in Haiti and how things change and use that to enact change in our own communities. Yeah. I, I think it's so, I think it's so powerful and I, there's almost this, this, I'm going to say like a, like a, a bigger reason, like a spiritual reason for Haiti being in the news so much. It appears that it's look at us, look how, um, look how, uh, impoverished we are. Look how, uh, look what terrible things keep happening yet. What if we can see that differently? What's beneath the surface? What's really happening there? It's an invitation. The stories in the news are an invitation to look deeper. And, and in fact, that's what I'm doing right here, talking to you. Um, and that's why I wanted to do this. For your perspective, um, which is, I think, just incredible and and so meaningful but also yeah as an invitation for all of us and anybody listening to this to just to start to look below the surface look below the headlines of all all the headlines of of all of these you know global situations that are that are happening um what's really what's really going on it's not what it appears um usually <laughs> Yeah, that's usually always the case. And yes, I do agree. I think I do agree that the perspective is helpful. I even spoke to my father because he was really discouraged. He loves Haiti so much. And I think it was when the earthquake happened. It was either that or when everything was shut down and like flights were grounded and everything. He was really discouraged about it because he loves it there. And he really would love to build his life there. But it's just it's really hard, you know. But when I shared with him, I was like, you do realize we're, we're actually witnessing the beginning of a revolution. And I showed him why. Because the thing is, whenever, with any big change, this is on the individual level. And then it also, it's also true for the global, like as a global community. With any big change, things are going to get shaken up. 
And yep. Katie was literally shaken up. <laughs> like yep. actually the it, the actual country was shaken up. And I do believe that there is, as you said, like when you mentioned the spiritual thing, I think as above, so below. So what's happening underneath the surface in all the dynamics and everything, things are shaking up. And so there's going to be physical manifestations of that. And so it's interesting that, you know, all this chaos happened when the president was assassinated. There was all of this. There's, I think there still is. There's still chaos going on. Um, the transfer of power was shaky. Who's going to take power? All of that. There was there was a lot. And then with what happened after with the gangs and all of that, there's a lot of chaos. And what we forget, we tend we tend to forget because we're dealing with the chaos, and you know it's a natural human reaction to chaos. But what we tend to forget is that creation comes from chaos. When you want to create something new, it's usually from chaos. You cannot create something new from something that does already doesn't work. When everything dissolves, now there's potential. Now there's some there's space for something new to be built. And it sucks because people die and it, it's terrible. It's not fun. It's not a, a fun process. I'm not going to pretend it is. And, you know, when you look at it from that, when you also take that perspective, you can see there's, a, there's, also a, there's also a lot of potential for people to live in a much better society in, in one that um, honors us as human beings, first and foremost. And that and that allows us the freedom that we were bo- that is our birthright that we were all born to have, and I think that's what Haiti's bringing to the world. It's like, oh wow, there's actually a lot of opportunity here, and yeah, it's a terrible situation, but there's a lot of potential there, and this is actually the best time and space to revolutionize things and take action. Yeah, I <laughs> love it. I'm gonna leave it there because. <laughs> I'm not going to add any more to this. Um, that's fantastic. And it's a, it's truly, it is a lesson for, it's a global lesson right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was good. (laughs) A huge thank you to Samoa for sharing her deep wisdom. It's always a pleasure to speak with her, and I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. By the way, if you're interested in learning more about Samoa or connecting with her directly, you'll find everything you need to do that in the show notes. As always, I love to hear from you, so please jump into the conversation. You can find me and all episodes of this podcast at phyllis.wilson.pw and on Instagram at allrightpodcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit follow in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss an episode of We're All All Right. <laughs>